millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of November 21st, including... Parliament's return, Aaron O'Toole's hard time, and the government's compromise on pandemic supports... Ahmaud Arbery's murderers actually get convicted. The Omicron variant has us wondering, what about them vaccines? (laughs) And plenty more. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. This was the week Parliament finally returned after the September 20th election. Election 44 was widely labeled as a status quo election because of how little change there was in the number of MPs elected for each party. But as friend of the drip, Ryan Singh points out, scratch below the surface and you discover that the 44th parliament has some big differences from the last term. Here are just some of them. There are 52 new MPs. That's a turnover of 15%. And the makeup is noteworthy. The last parliament had 100 female MPs, a milestone for sure. The new one has 103 meaning 30.5% of all seats are filled by women. If we break that down by party, female liberals will increase from 52 to 57. Female NDP MPs will increase from 9 to 11. The Conservatives remained at 22, and the Bloc remained at 12 MPs, respectively, while the Green Soul Women MP was re-elected. That's One is the loneliest number that Overall, a number of racialized candidates contested elections in September, resulting in 51 MPs representing racialized communities. That's 15% of all seats filled by racialized MPs. Wow. And there'll be more Black MPs than ever before, too. All five Black incumbent MPs were re-elected, and three newly elected Black MPs will join them for a total of eight. We also have two cabinet ministers. And there's more. But not necessarily good news if you're Aaron O'Toole. The conservative leader has been facing more and more public challenges to his leadership from within his party, so much so that he's had to drop the hammer. Have you have you been seeing any of that, Patience? No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. As, as prominent pollster Nick Nanos of Nanos Research said on CTV, quote, there's a fight for the heart and soul of the conservative party right now, end quote, pointing to the latest divisions being exposed by the ouster of conservative Senator Denise Batters after she launched a petition calling for an expedited review or vote on the direction of the party. She, by the way, is a Harper appointee and one of the folks not happy with O'Toole's attempt to make the party more progressive. Nanos called it a, quote, full-on assault on the leadership of Aaron O'Toole, end quote. 
it be your own people. For real. Then there are people like newly elected MP Leslin Lewis or MP Marilyn Gladu, gladly courting anti-vaxxers within the party, which is something Aaron O'Toole is desperately trying to keep a lid on right now. And it's not working. According to the latest polling data, Aaron O'Toole has been hurting again after an election that many thought he might win. Since then, the percentage of those who view O'Toole as their preferred PM dropped 6.8% to 20.7%. That's in comparison to the prime minister, who is still the preferred party leader for PM at 38.1% of almost 1% since the election. For the record, Jigmeet Singh, as choice for PM, dropped about 1% also to 20.7%. And that guy over there, Maxime Bernier, is the choice of almost 6% of Canadians. Still? Still. (laughs) Still. It did drop by about 1%, but still. It really will be curious to see if Aaron will have what it takes, basically, to keep shutting down dissent within his own party, or if the appointments of more right-leaning shadow ministers like Pierre Polyev will be enough to get him to be competitive again. So, Patience, what do you think? Do you think he'll be able to stay on, keep his role until the next election, or do you think he's going to get the boot? I mean, I, I want whatever will sabotage the conservatives most, but uh, I also, like, when you mention folks like Pierre um, Poiliev, uh, that's terrifying. I I would prefer, <laughs> I would prefer we stay with Aaron O'Toole, who at least kind of has some proximity to, to like, the average person and has perhaps a bit more empathy or sympathy for, you know, the plight of of the rest of us. But folks mm. who are completely socially conservative as well as being fiscally conservative really scare, scare the shit out of me. I hope I hope that whatever happens, Aaron O'Toole stays in, maybe not until the next election, but, but for the next two to three years. What do you hold think? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> you just had some good... I feel like you just contradicted yourself. So you wanted to stay. I wanted to stay. Okay, so I, I don't necessarily want him to stay until the next election because I don't think it matters, I guess. But I want him to stay long enough for him to get known as the, the conservative leader. And mm-hmm. then they switch him out. And then we have to do the whole name recognition thing again. Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> like so so I want I want to sabotage the party is basically what I'm saying. Now I get yes. it. Now I hear it. <laughs> yes. Uh sorry, I'm what you want to sabotage. Right. Well, uh <laughs> jump uh sorry, uh I feel like you asked me a question. Yeah, I was wondering what what do you think? Like are how, how do you feel about Aaron O'Toole staying into the next election? Do you think it's gonna happen? That's a it's a really good question because I, I think it's entirely based on him. It's like it comes down to him. Um, he's been pretty effective so far in, um, uh, I would say keeping the most angry of his caucus kind of not becoming more angry. And in fact, he has, he definitely has more support now, let's say, than Andrew Scheer did after his loss. And obviously Andrew Scheer's loss was, you know, really bad. Or in fact, it, 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 he, he, he garnered about the same level of support, right? right. But his loss meant a lot of bad things for the party. Right. Um, now, the thing is what? Aaron O'Toole has now shut down Denise Batters. Like I said, he shut down another party director, um, an Asian gentleman. And I believe there's at least a third. And then you can probably can consider Marilyn Gladu in there in the sense that he, again, I already pointed this out. He clearly does not want to be having this conversation about anti-vaxxers and, and uh, mandates for vaccines. 
because it opens up a part of his party or opens up his flank to attacks for more progressives. And that's literally why um, his polling numbers are so low right now. Right. So he has to keep tamping down the attacks coming from within. And if he can do that, he will stay. But he can only do that so much, right? So we'll see. I really don't know. He does have 70, I think it's 70 of his MPs that are clearly in his court, which is obviously a majority. So if he can maintain that, he should be okay. But we'll see. We'll see. Jumping to our next political story, the liberals are expanding pandemic benefits, kind of. In responding to calls for pandemic benefits to be extended further, the Trudeau government is, ex- is proposing to reinstate pandemic benefits for individuals in some cases while expanding them for some businesses. Bill C-2 was introduced Wednesday in the House, one of four bills the government wants MPs to pass before the winter break. For individuals, the Liberals propose reinstating $300 a week payments to workers who find themselves unemployed due to the pandemic-related lockdowns between now and spring of 2022 that they're expecting. A region would be considered in lockdown if there's an order for businesses to close and workers to stay home for at least 14 straight days. Anti-vaxxers would not be eligible for those benefits, though, which I think is reasonable. Payments would be retroactive to October 24th as well, when the CRB ended. As for the CRB siblings, the sickness and caregiver benefits, they both get revived after expiring this past weekend with two more weeks of eligibility until May 7th. Jumping to businesses, wage and rent subsidies would be targeted to those still apparently hurting in the tourism, culture, and hospitality sectors. Although I have to say, a lot of these businesses continue to engage in shady practices with their employees, and maybe we'll touch on that another time or even in the same conversation. Yeah. Anyway, all businesses in question would need to prove a deep and prolonged revenue loss to qualify. The government also wants to extend the Canada Recovery Hiring Program until May to help companies to add their payrolls by boosting wages, rehiring laid-off workers, or new hires. The credit doesn't require as deep a revenue loss to qualify, though. So what's the political response been? Uh, It seems the bill will pass since it's got the support of the Conservatives and the Bloc. The cons say they're happy with it since it gives targeted support to those they think need it most, while the Bloc is most happy about it supporting cultural workers in Quebec. But the NDP patients, they say not so fast. They won't support the legislation unless income-tested benefits for seniors and families last year are dropped, since unrestricted support through programs like the CERB went a long way in keeping people financially afloat. For sure. Yeah. And get this, according to Bloomberg, an analysis of surveys done by career websites found more respondents were actively looking for work last month compared to the three months leading into September. And most described their search as, quote, urgent. Mm. Sounds a lot like what the NDP is referring to. For the government's part, Finance Minister Christopher Freeland says this should be considered the last step in our COVID support programs. So what do you think about this latest move, Patience? Are are you with the government and the majority of the House on this issue or the NDP? This is a really interesting um, issue because what we know about the capitalist system is that the bills keep coming even if the money stops, right? So people, businesses, uh, have you know uh, quite a are, are working against a deficit 
because the, the bills kept coming when the money stopped. So just because the money is starting again doesn't necessarily mean that folks are 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 okay. Sure, they're on the, the, the up and up, but so something else is required. I'm not sure what it looks like, but it seems like perhaps boosting wages and giving folks, you know, the, the 4% um, increase instead of the, the, the typical, you know, 2% or 1% to adjust for inflation. Something mm-hmm. special needs to happen. So this... Canada Recovery hiring program that seems to maybe be able to, um, you know, fill that gap in terms of wages. I, I think that, that that's that's ne- necessary, not even like a nice thing to have, but mm-hmm. it's a necessity in order for folks to value re-entering the workforce and staying with some of these employers. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Um, for me... I, I definitely see both sides um, because when you look at the fact that inflation is so high and most people understand inflation in layman's terms. So they're not looking at all of the different realities that make inflation a thing. Um, all they're seeing is that things are expensive right now and that Mr. Polyev in particular has been pretty adept at making, which is why, you know, one of the reasons why Aaron O'Toole put him back in that role as finance critic is um, he's good at pushing this argument that Trudeau is responsible for all of our inflation, all the spending and especially pandemic supports, which by the way, the conservatives still like to say they supported uh, because of that, all because of that, we have high inflation. So there has to be a middle ground is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? At the same time, I think the NDP is completely correct completely correct. Um, There are a few people I know right now, as a matter of fact, that weren't able to make the transition quickly enough from a pandemic benefit to work, or even if they did make that pandemic benefit jump, or rather that jump from pandemic benefits to work, work was a mess because of one thing or another. So there should be something in place to support those people more than just those people in the hospitality and tourism industries. That's my overall perspective. And you know, patients, we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I, you know, this argument these days that people are shirking work, essentially either to stay home because they don't want to do work, that that's the only reason. There are numerous reports showing that that's bullshit. When did we get so cynical about this? I, I mean, is this we- the normal thing? It, it, it actually is the normal thing. I think things, things began to improve in the last recession in 2008, and the pandemic made it even, you know, it, if you had a perspective to help people, well, you were supported during these pandemic times. But generally speaking, we have always been ugly. I mean, one of the books that I, uh, one of the first political books I ever read was The Ugly Canadian, talking about our history with social supports going back 100 a, a years. You know what I mean? That's so this is, this is who we are. Yeah, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. You you listen to some of the stories of people who, for example, I, uh, there were a couple of women who worked in the hospitality industry. They worked for a hotel out in BC. I forget the exact name of the hotel. Okay. But essentially, because of the pandemic, about 100 of these staff were laid off. And the majority of these staff are women. The majority of, our, uh, majority of them are people of color, uh, certainly indigenous women. Okay. Um, they were laid off and the the 
Hotel tried to say that because of all the hardships that that industry in particular is facing, well, that's the reason why they're laid off and they can't be brought on board, brought back on board. Turns out, though, that in many of those cases, patients, they're bringing on people, uh, lower, wor- uh, lower paid people with less tenure to replace the people that. that they just let go of claiming they don't have the money for them. I hate yes. that. Yes. Yeah, they let fo- they let, yeah, let go of folks with seniority and bring in the minimum wagers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I so, that. I mean, this, when you consider those kinds of realities where people are struggling and even when they want to support themselves, quite frankly, in some cases, they're not really given the opportunity to do so. Like you said, patients, there has to be something there for them. There has to be something there. So, uh, you know, look, I hope that this legislation passes. I'm sure you do too. But we need something more in the future. Yeah, we do. Moving on to blackity black black this week. The murderers of Ahmaud Arbery are found guilty Mm. of murder. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, although Travis McMichael held the gun, the McMichael father-son duo, as well as a third man, William Roddy Bryan, are being held accountable for taking Ahmad's life after trapping him and shooting him at close range while he was jogging in their neighborhood back in early 2020. Mm-hmm. After a 13-day trial at the Glynn County Courthouse in coastal Georgia, a disproportionately white jury found the three white men guilty of murder, among other things. Travis Michael was convicted of all nine charges. Greg McMichael was convicted of all charges except malice murder. And Brian, the third man, was convicted of three counts of felony murder, one count of aggravated assault, one count of false imprisonment, and one count of criminal attempt to commit a felony. See, I was surprised that the convictions would be an understatement. I was honestly preparing for the worst. But... Listen, like it was a disproportionately white jury and those white people got it. And apparently also, I have to add this, the defense wasn't the strongest. They made some pretty glaring mistakes. So uh, it's great news, of course, but in terms of justice, not quite yet. How long will these charges have these men locked up for? That is the real justice. And we have no idea yet. Sentencing is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yep, yep. Thoughts on this, Curtis? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of ha- as you laid it out. You know, it is. It was a positive surprise to see that these three men, these three monsters, really were convicted, um, especially in light of the other case where we did not get the outcome we were seeking. Kyle Rittenhouse, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, especially in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. So. Very positive. Um, you know, we like you pointed out, nearly a, a, an entirely white jury in the South said that these men were guilty. Um, I, I remember hearing um, attorney Cordell Cephas, he's a, he's a civil rights and criminal defense attorney. He said, uh, quote, this makes clear that black people have freedom of movement and we're not subject to the whim of strangers, particularly angry white men chasing us down and murdering us in the streets, end quote. Um, and that's essentially what this case did, right? Did it ensure that, uh, at least in that jurisdiction, white people should think twice before they, uh, engage in the violent acts that they have been. Like you said, though, patients, we'll see what the actual, um, penalty ends up being. Yeah. Cause I think that's really, 
So to, to some extent, like the jury is um, operating a bit outside the actual system. I'm not saying at all that juries are not a result of the system because they are, but you know, the, the, it's not the judge making a call, but for sentencing, it, it, it tends, it is a judge making the call. Um, and that's back into the system. So I think that that will be a really interesting thing to see how the state of Georgia or um, what I was going to say is uh, Glynn County, how they respond to, um, you know, the, the the convictions. What did you think of the difference between the judge in the Ahmad Arbery case and the judge in the Conrad and House case? Yeah. Well, I shouldn't even say that. Anyway, huge, you know what I mean? Huge, <laughs> like huge difference. And you know what? I, you would always, oh, rather not, not you. I'm, I'm not putting this on anyone. Me, right? I always thought it would be the opposite because Kyle Rittenhouse is in the North, huh. right? Whenever I, I read about the States, I always read about the North, South, divide and how um folks in the north were kind of used to would hide their racism and would placate blacks and just you know do a little bit more to to seem as if they were not this guy but (laughs) yeah the exact opposite i couldn't i couldn't believe what i was reading i could like the one thing that i really couldn't believe was when they they couldn't refer to the the people that kyle rittenhouse killed as victims oh my gosh Imagine that being your family member. This boy, this no, this man, and I'm not giving that boy. This man took the life of someone's family member, and you are not going to call that person's family member a victim? Yeah, nuts. I'd be cheesed, but yeah, yeah. Come on, <laughs> I am cheesed, and it's not my family, but you know. Anyway. Oh. Huh. Moving on to news from the world, this is probably the biggest news mm-hmm. uh, of the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. The Omicron variant raises questions around global vaccine disparities. So as countries around the world scramble to contain the newest COVID-19 variant, scientists have said that they are unsurprised at its emergence and repeated calls for, gl- for greater and have repeated calls for greater worldwide vaccination efforts. Just as a side note here, for those that don't understand the naming convention, I'm not saying this to to downplay anyone's intelligence, but my mom literally didn't know what the naming conventions were coming from, like where they were coming from. I think most people don't. So, you know, Alpha is the first variant. Beta is the second variant. Gamma, the third. Delta, the fourth. So when we're at the the level of, 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 of Omicron, we have gone through... Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, psi. Like, so we're we're getting in there when we talk about the, the Omicron Bumble. variant. Identified as a variant of concern by the World Health Organization, they have they, they said evidence suggested that there was an increased risk of reinfection mm. with this variant. It was well known that viruses mutated, including the COVID-19 virus, and that widespread vaccination was one of the most crucial ways of preventing this. So we know this, right? Pause. If we know this, why is it that one of the most populated continents has not had any vaccination or has had very minimal vaccination? So Curtis, you know, I'm from Nigeria and I have asked my entire extended family if anyone has been vaccinated and I mean like received one vaccine, not even fully vaccinated, eh? has anyone received one vaccine? No one in my family has had a vaccine. 
or had access to a vaccine. So been offered or known where to get the vaccine. In fact, according to Our World in Data, which is an online database, only 1.7% of Nigerians are fully vaccinated. And to give you an idea of how, how populated Nigeria is, Nigeria is estimated, because our census doesn't work that well, <laughs> but it's estimated to have over 250 million people. Okay? And only 1.7% of Nigerians are fully vaccinated. That is crazy. So, obviously... We know, point one, widespread vaccination is one of the ways of preventing these these variants within the the COVID-19 virus. Mm -hmm. Yet you're missing uh, a nice, sweet 230 million people just in that one country. And and I'm sure, right, I'm sure that that it's the same uh, or very similar in in some of the other um, sub-Saharan African countries. Mm -hmm. So... Without access to the vaccine, we're going to keep getting these variants yep. from Alpha all the way. So soon we're going to be talking Alpha Alpha because <laughs> we've already gone through. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> like, Yo, why, so, do you, why do you have us thinking like that, though? <laughs> well, the, the thing is, Curtis, we've talked about this on the podcast already. We have this global vaccine sharing program. Yeah. What's up with it? Are we just not sharing because we're we're so concerned about our boosters? So right now in Canada, we're talking about boosters. And, you know, if folks don't have their boosters, that may restrict travel. But there's a whole part of this planet that has not even had access to one vaccine. We aren't thinking. At all. The same article that I got this information from said trying to control a variant is like trying to control the wind. Hmm. <laughs> you hmm. know, <laughs> this is a scientist. Saying you can't control the wind. What you have to do is fight it, and fighting it is through vaccines, and folks are not getting the vaccine. Uh, it's funny, I have a, a couple of friends getting married in South Africa tomorrow. Oh. So I have 30 friends in South Africa right now as they are closing the borders. I, I, of course, the borders are still open to permanent residents and citizens, but you know, it, it's it's still a health risk, right? Even though they're allowed back in the country, it's it's a it's a serious thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, stay safe out there, everyone. I'm going to be calling my friends and making sure folks are okay. But what what do you think about this whole Omicron variant and the mess that we're seeing right now? I mean, it's 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 as you said, right? It's why we've been pushing for vaccinations so seriously, but we can't be pushing for vaccinations to be taken seriously in our countries when we're not even giving the resources to others to take it as seriously for themselves. Um, and if right. we, and if we don't do that, we, it's like you said, man, we're going to end up with alpha, 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 like we, yeah. we will have more and more variants. We need a better strategy. We need more cooperation. What has been happening to date is not enough. And I also hope that the variant doesn't, or this variant doesn't lead to any other variants, or Africa doesn't um, have a, a a a kind of a a tornado of yeah a scenario. And, but here's my very selfish reason, patience. I'm supposed to be in Morocco next May, so I hope it doesn't go from South Africa to the north of Africa. By yeah, now. man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm wishing that for you too, man. I'm wishing that for you too. You've just listened to episode 77 of The Trip. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip TO. 
You know, we love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners. We hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.